Better than this, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Today marks the start of a two-part podcast series. Part one today, part two next Wednesday. We're going to talk about some front offices. Kyle, welcome. Some when is day. Next when is day. Wednesday. Wednesday. If you, if you say it how it's spelled, that's what it says. Wed Nez Day. But we say Wednesday. We put the N yeah. before the D. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, does it? Not a lot of things do with the English language, from what I understand, but it's the only one I know. So I you know, it's hard for me to really compare it to anything else. And, I, and people would argue that I don't know it that well. See, yo, yo hablo español también, estudio en escuela por ocho años. Okay, so you don't know a little bit of Spanish, you're fine. No, and I took eight years of Spanish, but I forgot more than I remember. See, so. and that that's what's no no good. No bueno, as they say. See, see. You took eight years. Eight, yep. I took uh, four and years in college. Four years in high school, and then I took um, two years in college, like semester after semester. And what do I have to show for it, Kyle? Nothing. I want to give you my vision for today. Okay. We don't spend 15 minutes talking about milk duds and your Slack notifications, which are going off in the background. I heard that. You know, my wife wants to know what we're going to have for dinner tonight. So sorry. Sound like a Slack notification. Nah, nah, that was the dim, the messenger thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, we're doing the AFC today. want to segue into it, right? Doing the AFC, looking at front offices, and we have five tiers. Do you remember over the summer, we did a whole bunch of tier maker Thursdays? Yeah. Well, Thursdays are now preoccupied because we got betting lines against the spread in college football. Not giving that up. Had a great week last week. I want to keep, <laughs> it, keep, keep the momentum going. I'm not going to change anything with my process. So this week we're doing AFC. Next week we're doing NFC. Looking at front offices, we have five tiers. The elite, the good, the average, the bad, and incomplete. We're going to put each NFL front office into a tier. So without further ado, Joe, let's do, what do you think, alphabetical order? Yeah. By city. Yep, so Baltimore's first. Baltimore Ravens are first. Eric DaCosta. Which is interesting, right? Because Ozzie Newsom was the guy here for a really long time. But I really don't think – I think they've become so indoctrinated with the way they conduct their business there that uh, I don't think just because we've transitioned from DaCosta from Ozzie Newsom, I still consider this to generally be speaking – or generally speaking be a good to elite front office in the NFL. I agree with you. Um, I mean, the fact that in the last two two drafts you've been able to find uh, your franchise quarterback and the right weaponry around him, meaningful pieces for the offensive line. You've recently drafted an elite left tackle, an elite cornerback in the first round. 
Uh, and that kind of goes back to the last four drafts. They've been able to get uh, Earl Thomas in free agency. Mark Ingram's been a great free agency pickup. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that there's a whole lot to gripe about here, to be completely honest with you. I know Hayden Hurst wasn't necessarily a great pick, uh, but Mark Andrews certainly makes up for that. I mean, uh, what's keeping this out of an elite tier? They got I, a great I, coach. They've retained him. They've got great coaching staff around that guy. Sounds like we got an elite front office. And, and they I, didn't just, panic with C.J. Mosley. Right. And they, they've always been a team that's been willing to let guys walk because yeah. they draft so well behind those players. Like that that was, you lose Terrell Suggs. Well, Matt Judon's having a phenomenal year. Yeah. What do they choose to do with Judon? I'm interested to see. But traditionally speaking, the Baltimore Ravens have been a team that has been consistently good. And it's not just because they have Coach Harbaugh there. You know, they, they've now introduced a very different style of offense and they, they kind of have that chameleon level to them that all the great teams seem to. And I, and I think that makes this an elite organization in that regard. Yeah, I'm here for it. Okay, so we have our first one on the board and it is an elite team. And Joe, I'm just kind of looking at the next. It's Buffalo. Well, yeah, I'm looking beyond them for AFC teams and I don't think we're going to get a real hot run here with elite. Just kind right. of foreshadowing some of the ones after Buffalo. Let's talk about Buffalo. I'll let you. I'll let you have yeah. the floor as as your team. I think you go starting in 2017 when Sean McDermott slash Brandon Bean took over this franchise. I mean, just a great job in the draft, hitting on all your first round picks. Trey White, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, a lot of promise with Josh Allen. Ed Oliver looks very promising, but it's also the 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 later round picks that have been really good. I mean, to get guys like Matt Milano and Taron Johnson and you know, even this year, Dawson Knox, uh, Devin Singletary, starting caliber players. Um, there's just been a lot of good value throughout what they've been able to do in the draft. Even, you know, Deion Dawkins, a second round pick in 2017. Um, I think liked him coming out, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't. So that was a, that's a dub for you. Yeah. I think you have to like what they've been able to do in free agency. I mean, to get Poyer and Hyde year one in the regime. Uh, and then last year was the big Band-Aid year where they had $52 million in dead cap space and they couldn't do much in free agency. But then to bounce back and get meaningful players like John Brown and Cole Beasley and all the offensive linemen that they added in Morse, Spain, Feliciano, Nseki, you know, I think they've done a really good job of building this thing. Um, you know, I don't know that the success screams elite yet um, because, you know, they're 9-7 and seven playoff, 6-10 and 10 and 7-3 and three right now and, and trending very well. I'd like to see a little bit more success for me to to say emphatically elite, but I think they're very, very firmly in the the good tier with the with an arrow pointing up. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think this is a very good organization. You have to be excited about the direction that they have. Uh, you did a nice job kind of setting the table with the draft picks that they have. Now let's see it all get put together, right? Because as mm-hmm. you said, this the success has not materialized over a long sample size to this point. Um, and we've seen promising teams kind of get off the rails before in the past. So we just need to make sure this all sticks and sets as the new yeah. n- the new standard for Buffalo. Yeah, and I think you know what's interesting about maybe what can, can cause some concern there is is when you do go back to this past February March when they were in on AB. You know, and I thought that was a move that was like, what are we doing here? Like, are, are we get yeah, we're getting out of our process, right? And and. Sean McDermott, big trust the process, respect the process, all that stuff. And that was one of those things that made me like, uh, we're getting off course here. It luckily didn't come through, but that was kind of a moment where I was like, hey, 
But I mean, everything else has been fine and that didn't happen. So you can't hold it against them. Okay, Joe, we have the Cincinnati Bengals are next. And and this was one of the teams that inspired this show concept today (laughs) at TDN. I wrote three NFL franchises in need of new management that are doomed not to get it. Are you aware of what the Cincinnati Bengals is under Mike Brown? Mike Brown took over this team in 1991. I'm aware because we had this conversation at 1130 today. But do you know the numbers? Uh, not specifically, but I'm sure our listening audience would love to hear them as well as me. This is, He is finishing his 29th season. He is 186 and 269 and three in 29 years. Almost 100 games below 500 over 29 years. I say above, I meant below. I said below, right? Yeah. Okay. They've had seven winning seasons in 29 years. And every single one of them, Joe, has come with Marvin Lewis as the head coach. Believe they've had five or six head coaches in this time span. And they've never won a playoff game. It's really... You say, how is that relevant to the Bengals front office? Well, Mike Brown is the owner, but he also is the general manager of the team. And has been since 91 or whatever. And has been since 91. My One of my favorite things that we uncovered when talking about this earlier was that the Bengals before Mike Brown, the, the previous three years, I mean, they were Super Bowl team in 1988, winning four, records. Eight and eight, nine and seven. Three yeah. years and before then, Mike Brown and, took over. And then it took forever to have another winning season. Yeah, I don't I don't think they I don't think they won more than four or five games in like the first seven or eight years since he when he took over. What's hard for me about the Bengals, they're going to be they're they're going to whatever the lowest tier we have is that's where they deserve to be bad. They're bad. Yeah, they've had times built really good rosters like those teams with like Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson, TJ Hushmanzada, like people thought the Bengals had like a top five roster in the NFL. And I think for under the Dalton era early on, I thought talent wise, they had a, a really an upper echelon roster. And you've heard me defend the Bengals roster in a lot of ways in recent years. They've had a lot of bad fortune with their first round picks and injuries and those types of things. And obviously being in quarterback purgatory, but it all it all points back to the reason I think they can't get over the hump is because of a, a very poor scouting system and accountability for the decisions that they make. So I mean, this is bad. They're bad, but you know how many people, you, you know how many people are on the roster in their football operations? Like six or seven, right? It's it's eight total individuals, and yeah. one of them's like a an administrative person. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You, you got to get out of your echo chamber, and, and I think you, you did a really good job kind of getting caught in purgatory and seeing uh, some of the, the the really good assets. They had some great draft hits kind of whittle away because they don't want to pay these players and they're too afraid to trade them because they think they're getting robbed and they, they don't have accurate perception of what the values of their players. And like, I'm sorry, what's going to happen with AJ Green? You're either going to franchise tag him when he doesn't want to be franchise tagged. Or you're going to pay him to an extension in two years. You're going to want to get rid of him because he's going to be over the hill. Like You, yeah. you should have moved him, period. And, and and I will say this for the Bengals, they have hit some really nice mid-round guys over the course of the past decade. You know, Geno Atkins won the top pick. They got Justin Reed, won the top pick. Not Justin Reed, uh, Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, yeah. 
Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd was a second or third round pick, day two pick. Andy Dalton was a day two pick. You know, so they have some merits, but just by and large, I think the organizational philosophies and structure are not where they need to be. The stuff you talked about with, we got into the AJ Green stuff about like extensions and contracts that they've handed out. I mean, I know you don't probably don't have that off the top of your head, but I mean, that was stuff was really, really telling in terms of the salaries that they've not committed to people. Yeah. They just, re- they refuse to give out big money contracts, which yeah. makes me so fascinated what happens. I've read a really cool story in, in researching this article. Uh, did you know they almost signed Warren Sapp in 2004? I did not. Like Drew Rosenhaus said, like, give it a couple hours. It's done. Warren's going to sign in 2004 with the Bengals. So the Bengals called Warren and said, here's our offer. You have an hour. Warren calls him back 57 minutes later the bank, to accept the offer. And Warren says, or, and the Bengals say, no, well, we, we're pulling the offer. We're bidding against <laughs> ourselves. He went to the Raiders then, right? Like three hours later, Al Davis calls him and throws yeah. the, the Brinks truck at him. Mm. Whoops. But they're they're notoriously known for that as far as just they're in their own little world as far as valuation. And as a result, they get burned a ton. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns, Joe, which I'm interested it- to talk about because John Dorsey's in his first in Cleveland. And... um Things have not materialized well, but I'd be interested to hear you make a pitch for me because I have two different ways I can can frame this. Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I think that they've added a lot of talent to this roster. You know, they've had some premium draft capital. It wasn't hard to draft Miles Garrett, number one. It wasn't hard to draft Baker Mayfield, number one. Uh, I give him credit for the Denzel Ward pick. That's been better than I anticipated. I thought it was a little high from him. Nick Chubb was obviously a slam dunk. Um, I think that there's, they've added a lot of talent, but they've also overlooked a lot of holes and he missed badly on this head coach hire. So that's going to keep you out of the good tier. I'm not going to put him in the bad tier because I do think that there's a lot of promise here and maybe one more off season really gets this club is, is one of the upper echelon teams in the AFC. But I think they have to, to really patch this together this off season and be the team we expected them to be this year, next year. And maybe we didn't – well, I I think I did. I think I was aware of some of the flaws in this Go football team don't. more so than others. But, Go ahead, King. Well, no, it's it, – it, a lot of people were in that, in that, in that, in that world. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like they have to be an average right now, kind of average, but the direct – the arrow pointing up. I, I think you could make the case for incomplete as well. Oh, really? You don't – I mean, we've got – I think between failing on the head coach thing, failing to – build an offensive line. I won't, I won't, I won't fight, I think you, those are, but I'm just saying, you know, with John Dorsey coming yeah. in here, doing two draft classes, one with Hugh Jackson starting the year and the others with Freddie kitchens. And, and I agree. They botched the coaching hire. And I, I will definitely admit that I was wrong with the coaching hire and overlooking that. And, but I also think you, you, you could have the opportunity to mask some of your limitations on the offensive line, but that's coaching. So the, so that mm-hmm. really emphasizes – so the coaching staff, in my opinion, is not doing a good job of playing to what the talent and personnel on the field is capable of executing. 
and what they did so well a lot of times last year. You know, we, we want to run our offense through Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham because we got him here. So let's, we're, we're going to key up the shots and, and, and dial the ball up. Well, left tackle's Greg Robinson. So your right tackle's probably worse. <laughs> Chris Hubbard's been a disaster yeah. at right tackle. Yeah, so he's like, been horrible. I, 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 I think we kind of, I think we have enough to to break them out of the incomplete. I, I and I'm certainly yeah. not putting them in bed, and I don't feel comfortable hiring. Average, them. I, I think I, it's I've average. got them in the average tier. But I want to ask you this before we move on to the Denver Broncos: yeah. Do the Browns trade their first round pick for an established player before the draft next year? Predictively, or should predictively they? because they wanted to trade it to Washington for Trent Williams. So you already know it's it's there for them. They know they know what's on the table. It's got to be an offensive lineman, right? So th- would they trade their first round pick for an offensive lineman? I mean, if you're going to sit there and draft Jedrick Wills at nine or eleven or wherever you're going to pick, like take the known sure go get, go get the guy that yeah, especially when you have your quarterback on a rookie deal, and that's the thing is. The what we 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 talked about this on the podcast before is the the golf Wentz situation tells us that the the Baker Mayfield quarterback class is going to be up for extensions after next season, so you you better right. gear up and get it right for twenty twenty because now all of a sudden you're going to be looking at paying Baker thirty plus mil a year. Shall we talk about the Broncos? <laughs> yeah, okay, you yeah, go let's, ahead and uh, let's and do that. Give me your thoughts on John Elway. I think it's a it's a difficult situation with, with John Elway. I don't think he's a great general manager in totality. I think he's he's really failed at the two most important things general managers do, and that's get general managers and identify co- or get head coaches and identify quarterbacks. He's failed miserably in both fronts. At the same time, I think he's done a really good job with assembling the roster in other places. I think his other drafting has been good. I think that he's done a good job of finding late round guys, undrafted guys, those types of things. But when you can't get the coach slash quarterback, either one of those, right, maybe Vic Fangio will be the guy. I don't know, but I I think that really tosses a wet blanket over uh, anything else that you've done. So, you know, it, it feels like they, he's worthy of bad. He may have done enough to get him out of the average tier, but obviously, I think he he lucked into that Peyton Manning situation and, and a really good defense and had some success. But I, I, coming out of that, it's been a, it's been really poor. Sure, and, and to give John credit, he did sign Peyton Manning and he did help build the defense with some of the players that were brought in to be a part of that defense during the Super Bowl run. But Joe, the winning percentage for John Elway's Denver Broncos in the four years of the Peyton Manning Elway or the the Peyton Manning era in Denver was 78%. Mm -hmm. They won 78% of their games. In the four years since, they've won 39% of their games. I don't care who you are, how many Super Bowls you've won as the quarterback of the team when you played, if over four years you see that amount of regression and over that same four-year span you whiff on at least one head coach and at least one starting quarterback. Bad. It's bad. It's, it's bad. And he's done some other really yeah. nice things. But when your criteria 
for a good starting quarterback is he plays under center, he's got a strong arm, and he wins. And you see here and bemoan all these guys coming out of college because they play in shotgun offenses. Brother, it's not 1990. The game's different. You can't indoctrinate your team philosophy with the way you were used to doing it. Because if you don't evolve, you're going to fall behind. And that's what I think you're seeing with John Elway and the Denver Broncos when he doesn't have Peyton Manning as a Hall of Fame quarterback to lean on. I think they're bad. Yeah, I, I think when you've had you've gotten an F on multiple occasions for quarterback and coach, it's bad. Yeah. Paxton Lynch with the 20, 26th overall pick in 2016. Vance Joseph was there for two years as a defensive coach hire, and the defense was not good. And then you hire Vic Fangio as a defensive coach because you want to win now, and you bring in a veteran quarterback in Joe Flacco because you want to win now. And Joe Flacco has the lowest percentage of his pass attempts for qualified passers out of 33 quarterbacks in the NFL going for touchdowns. He threw six touchdowns and eight starts. The defense was horrible to start the year. They didn't have a sack in like their first Somehow five Van- games. Somehow Vance Joseph has a better defense this year in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> than he ever did yeah. in Denver. With the with the personnel <laughs> that they have. I don't care that you play the yeah. Chiefs twice, man. It ain't gonna skew it that hard. <laughs> All right, so we're we're bad on Denver and bad. uh Houston's Yeah, this next. will be a fun one because they don't have a front office. <laughs> and we and it and it shows. Uh it shows for sure. Um I think I think we have to put him in incomplete and obviously bad for Brian Gain. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't do a worse job in ten months or however long. Say, he was Gain on wasn't task. even on staff for a year. Yeah, they could could not have done a worse job. And then, kind of, I mean, let's face it, Bill O'Brien's calling the shots, right? Yes, it's incomplete. I mean, he's he's doing what a head coach would do that is in control. We're, we're gonna find know, out that, real quick though, because Houston needs to win in the playoffs. If Houston does not win in the playoffs, this team is in trouble because they've very similar to the Rams invested all of their high price assets for the here and now. And the question is, are we sure they get to the playoffs? Are we sure they get right, there, Kyle? That, that's what I mean. There's a very realistic <laughs> outcome where the Texans win 10 games and miss the playoffs. Because you've got Bills and yeah. Raiders as wildcard teams. We've gone over the, what their schedules look like. Yeah. And the Colts yeah. play the Texans tomorrow night. And if the Colts win, yeah. the Colts will have swept the season series and have a game lead. I think Texas, uh, you ultimate must win yes. tomorrow night. Texans must win yeah, at they home got, they prime time. Deshaun Watson, yeah, the, you the floor is yours, my friend. I'm looking forward to it, but I, I think there's a chance this team doesn't get to the playoffs. Right. What a disaster! And, and then be. if they get there, well, the good news here's if they get there, they'll, it'll be be because they win the division most likely, which I think is difficult to envision. And then you, I mean, the, you, why can't they beat Buffalo or Oakland? Right, is a home game. You should. So, yeah, you're right. They're going to play at home. I mean, they've had some blunders at home, has Houston this year, but but you don't, you don't. I think you take your chances, you don't right? Flip the assets that you flip for a second right. round exit in the playoffs. That's tough, man. That's tough. It's tough for it's tough for me to 
it's a young, it's still a young team. I mean, you could tell they miss Watt and Clowney yeah. on that defensive line, you know, that front seven. Um, that they've got enough. Hey, I, it's, so what? We're incomplete we're on incomplete Houston. Incomplete because there's nobody who's acting, or there's nobody in the official title of a general manager. Bill O'Brien's calling the shots, and he's been calling the shots for about six months. It's incomplete, and we're nervous. Yes, a we are bit. nervous. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Indianapolis Colts are next. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves Chris Ballard. It seems right. Um, I think he's done a really good job of. I mean, to get two all pros in the 2018 draft and Quentin Nelson and, and Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson as an offensive lineman is a franchise changing type player. And that wasn't a hard pick to make, right? Everybody could have picked Quentin Nelson and known he'd be a good player, but to move back from three to six, still get Quentin Nelson and get all those assets mm-hmm. for the jets that has turned into meaningful mm-hmm. players. He's been really, really, really impressive. Um, I think he's getting underrated contributions from this year's group. Uh, despite not having a first round pick. I mean, a lot of contributions from that rookie class. I give him a lot of credit for uh, keeping it together with the Andrew Luck retirement. And, you know, we've, we've all kind of doubted Jacoby Brissett and not that they've been, you know, they haven't given him entirely the keys to the car, but signing him to that extension, giving him the confidence. This team's positioned well right now to win their division. And um, I think there's a lot to like here. I think he's got he's done a really good job getting through that coaching thing with Josh McDaniels and getting Frank Reich and getting on the same page. And who doesn't like Frank Reich as a head coach? I mean, there's just a lot to like here. That's that's the um, best point you made was the bounce back from the coaching snafu. And for them to pivot and redirect and get into Frank Reich, who's been a home run hire as far as I'm concerned, is really great work from Chris Ballard and company. Is this so? This is. Have they. I mean, it's either good or elite, right? I would consider Chris Ballard one of the elite talent evaluators and general managers in the NFL. Because. So why wouldn't we keep. What, what would keep him out of the elite tier in this discussion? Is it just. Smaller sample size? We want more team success? Yeah, I mean, this is somewhat the Buffalo yeah, discussion, but, somewhat. But this team was. This team was all Andrew Luck before he got there. And now mm-hmm. they're now they're the kind of polar opposite where I really love the depth of this roster from top to bottom at almost every position. Which is so interesting about that is even going into 2018, you wouldn't have said that. Right. <laughs> and in two draft in yeah. two draft classes, I think they've done an awesome job in getting yeah. volume, future assets, and players that are ready to contribute right away. Let's put them in elite tier. Elite. Yeah. Lock it in. The Jacksonville Jaguars. F. Bad. <laughs> who who we grading here? Tom Coughlin? I don't know, man. You know I don't like this team. Um, VP of football ops. So what's hard about the Jaguars is they draft a lot of players I like. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing is they've subscribed to Doug Marone as their coach, and I, I hate his – mentality I, I don't like the way he coaches um it took a running back they took leonard fournette at four it was a weird pay was like the fifth best running back in that class oh this is a tough one for me this this team's faced a lot right like even like the ramsey situation the telvin smith situation 
Um, I mean, getting Calais Campbell is a freaking good pickup. They're, I mean, they're, I mean, look at they, this was, this is on their first three picks in 2016. Ramsey's Miles, Jack, and Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's unbelievable, man. That's, that's, that's a brand draft. That's unbelievable. They've had a couple of brand drafts if it's just all guys that. DJ Chark in the second round. Ronnie Harrison's a good player for them. That's what's wild. They draft well, but I think they're flawed in the critical spots. Well, yeah. I don't think some good, some bad team success is generally pretty poor. This is average, right? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, they they had the postseason run a couple years ago with Blake Bortles, which in itself is a minor miracle. Uh, was a testament to how good that defense, that defense was. That yeah, year. if they played a somewhat modern style of offense, they may have went further. But I think that's the talk about. that's the flukiness of being sometimes winning. A winning formula is running the football and playing great defense. You can win football games like that. And the ultimate example of it was the 2017 Jacks, or was it? Yeah, 2017 Jaguars. I think they're I think they're average because they draft a lot of talent. I think they do a pretty good job of evaluating talent, but I think they're a little they're probably stuck in neutral because of administrative and and from a directional standpoint with the coaching staff and the philosophies that they have. I think John DeFilippo's done a pretty good job this year relative to last year. I thought it's pretty exciting seeing some of the the things we got to see uh, from Gardner Minshew. This year, I know his, his production was pretty good up until that that last game he started before they Nick put Nick Foles back in. But I'm willing to put him in average because let's see what it looks like with Nick Foles as your starting quarterback for more than just a handful of games. Yeah, I'll never forget that uh, ten to three thrilling playoff win they had over the Bills in 2017. Yeah. Bless you, man. And they went on to have okay. crazy games. All right, what's next? Kansas City Chiefs, <sighs> Mister Veach. I think Kansas City did a really nice job this offseason addressing their defensive issues. Mm-hmm. I know maybe it hasn't fully materialized, but this was a team that you had the, they had the hurdles of getting over what they gave up to jump up and get Patrick Mahomes. And I still think despite paying a cost to jump up and draft a quarterback, the Chiefs have done a really nice job since Mahomes has been added to the roster, building and complementing to surround him with competent football players. And there's a lot of teams that will just throw money at vets, will kind of lean too much on their quarterback to get the job done. You saw the Chiefs take Nicole Hardman as insurance for Tyreek Hill and try and surround them with a competent defense. I I think this is a, a good front office, and if you want to factor in um, other variables, I'd love to hear them. Well, I think right off the bat, what makes this a somewhat challenging conversation is that John Dorsey was the GM for the 17 draft, and Veach has been there since 18. So once they had Mahomes, that's – yeah, if I was unclear with that, sorry. But once Mahomes was in-house, Veach comes in and has to work with what else is left. I think he's done great. And move forward. Yeah, it, it, you know that's that's what's hard is right. Like if it, we kind of a lot of our conversations have come back to coaches and quarterbacks, right? So he walks into Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, right. brother. Yeah, you're like set there. 
okay, I don't have a first round pick in 2018. I'm good, right? Like, <laughs> but I mean, I, I you talk about some players. I like Kalen Saunders, Juan Thornhill, Miko Hardman. Um, you know, those are, I mean, this past draft, those were players I love to bring in a guy like Tyron Matthew this year. Charvarius Ward's been a great find to part with that. I know Frank Clark hasn't been great for them to, to bring him in, to get a guy like Derek Noddy in the third round, who's been a big time impact player for them. Um, Sammy Watkins, um, yeah, there's, he's done a lot here, right? It's, I mean, he inherited some good stuff, but he's, he's added to it nicely. Good. I, what, I think, you, what I, do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, if this thing all comes to life and we obviously having Patrick Mahomes hurt for an extended period hurt, but Andy Reid calling up Matt Moore and getting Matt Moore to come in and kind of hold that down with Chad Henney hurt helped. Um, but because it's only been the aftermath of getting Patrick Mahomes that we've seen Veach in this position, I'm comfortable kind of like the same thing with Buffalo where the expectations are higher in Kansas City because they have the best quarterback in football. <laughs> but it's still kind of that same, okay, let's let's let it set and make sure that the moves that we're making are allowing this team to make consistent AFC championship game appearances before we call it elite because I think the chief's floor was higher than say the Colts when Chris Ballard came into the Colts, which is why Ballard we put in the elite tier and the chiefs are in the good tier. Uh, Veach's first pick is GM of the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, Breland speaks to play linebacker. Well, so he got that 18 draft is looking pretty bad. He got uh, Breland Speaks, Derek Noddy, great pick. Dorian O'Daniel, who has not contributed like I hoped he would. Armani Watts, who has not contributed like I hope he would. Tremont Smith, Khalil McKenzie. Okay, you just sold. Not, you just sold. They're they're good. It's a good front office. You've had two yeah. drafts, and one of them was terrible. <laughs> the best thing you got in one draft was a run stuffer in the third round. There you go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good infrastructure. He inherited. He got into a good situation. Yep. Uh, the LA Chargers. Chargers. And Tom Telesco. San Diego Superchargers. Do you know who Tom Telesco started his NFL career with? Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills. Yeah. College summer intern, ninety-one to ninety-four. Yeah, I think he went over there with John Butler. Rest in peace. Getting a little rip, huh? Pour one out. Yeah. Yeah. You know what was cool? Uh, getting off the rails here a little bit, but I think. I don't want to say this wrong, but he was, you know, he was, his health was declining. And just prior to uh, the draft, I think he passed. And I think one of his final quotes was that he was excited that he got to be in all 32 uh, war rooms for the coming draft when he wasn't going to make it, man. That was, that's uh, cool. was, uh, yeah, it's cool. Um, so Tom Telesco. <laughs> Telesco. <laughs> this is, go ahead. This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one because I, I try not to be a victim of the moment here because um, I have some exceptions with this team. I think they've had a lot of misfortune. Um, but, man, they've done some really good things. They just haven't had a lot of success, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, Telesco's been the GM since 2013. I'd like to read you. This will be fun. I'm going to read you. The day one and day two picks under Tom Telesco. Okay. A lot of good players. 
DJ Fluker, Manti Teo, and Keenan Allen, 2013. Got two, Third round, Dean Keenan Allen, yeah. Two, two good picks there. 2014, uh, Jason Verrett, Jeremiah Tauchu, and Chris Watt. 2015, Melvin Gordon, Denzel Perryman, Craig Mager. 2016, Joey Bosa, Hunter Henry, Max Turk. 2017, Mike Williams, Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney. 2018, Derwin James, Uchenna Nwosu, Justin Jones. 2019, Jerry Tillery, Nasir Adderley, Trey Pipkins. Trey Pipkins starts at left tackle for that team right now, man. <laughs> I cannot believe it. I could not believe I found out. I about shit my pants, Joe, when I found out John Jerry was the starting left tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals this past week. Oh, is that why Max Crosby got four That's sacks? why Max Crosby, three <laughs> of four, came against John Jerry playing left tackle. So they didn't get Nick Bosa in the fourth round yet? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Uh, yeah, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But I, I think when I look at what Telesco has been able to do, what I'm encouraged by is he gets at least one good player every draft, like a really good player every draft. Yeah, and sometimes it's, I mean, like, look at 2017 to get Desmond King in the fifth round. Right. Uh, even even Rayshon Jenkins is having a good year. He was a fourth-round pick. Um, but there's so, a lot, yeah. of, lot of ugliness in the second round of these drafts. Teo, Atauchu, Perryman, Hunter Henry's been very good when he's been healthy, Forrest Lamp, Uchen and Wosu, this year, Nasir Adderley, um, who's also hurt. I think this will help us have this discussion. Do you think the Chargers franchise over the last six years has met expectations with Philip Rivers in his prime? You're going to say no, because you're expecting them to win a Super Bowl. But I think they've been very consistently good up until this year. Yeah, I think they've they've made they've been they've teetered rider. I think it's average, Kyle. I think it's yeah, average. I think with a with a, a high end quarterback in Philip Rivers that some people could make the argument is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Since Telesco showed up, they've won nine games, nine games, four games, five games, nine games, twelve games, and now they're four and seven. This is an average well, it, average team. What meaningful things has this team done in free agency? I can't right? answer like, that because I can't think I, of a what, single free agent. Russell, <laughs> Russell Okun. I mean, that was a good pickup. Yeah. Like, but I mean, there's not been a whole lot that stands out in the way of impact free agents addition, free agent additions to complement your one or two good players you add a year through the draft. I think it's average. This dumbass team really fired Marty Schottenheimer after twelve and four, nine and seven, and fourteen and two. Yeah, they they always lost. They what's his Marty Schottenheimer's pl- playoff record? He never could win a game, right? He was 0 for two. Yeah, I think that was his brand. Everyone said he couldn't. I don't know. Oh, you you mean um, overall? What was Marty's? Yeah, like record? I think he was always bad in the playoffs. Playoffs, uh, five and thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there it That's is. Not great. Got there a ton, man. Yeah, he sure <laughs> did. Got there a ton. Um. All right, so we're average, average on the 49 or the yes. Chargers, Chargers. Um, Which brings us to oh, the Miami, Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Incomplete. Incomplete, Incomplete, but but I think you at least have a little bit 
to work off of because Chris Greer's been the active general manager of this team since 2015. Yeah, but we kind of it's that's such a weird thing to say. Isn't it? Because you feel like Tannenbaum's been. Well, Tannenbaum was Tannenbaum called the shots, and Miami had this weird. Steve Ross has this weird thing where he loves to like have everybody just answer to him, right? Like they they had it when it was Jeff Ireland and Tony Sperano, and then it was Joe Philbin versus Jeff Ireland, and then Jeff Ireland got or Joe Philbin got Jeff Ireland fired, and then it was. Dennis Hickey versus Joe Philbin and Mike Tannenbaum came in over the top and then they promoted Chris Greer. It's like the, the organizational structure has been a train wreck. That's an ownership, not front office. I think Chris Greer is a good evaluator of talent. He gets two or three good players in each draft class that he's been responsible for since 2016. They missed on the Charles Harris pick. I, for one, am stunned. I think if you watched 10 reps of his tape, you'd know he wasn't a first-round player. And they look like they've missed on the Mike Isecki pick. But they've done some really nice things. Joe, do you know who they got in the 2016 draft? Miami Dolphins? Yes. Yeah, good offensive tackle and a good corner. They got Laramie Tunsil, Xavier Howard, uh, Kenyon Drake, and Jakeem Grant in the same draft. Jakeem Grant fast, man. He's very fast, and he's healthy now, too, which you saw firsthand. I think incomplete because they totally changed the structure of the team. But I think Chris Greer has enough for me to say with confidence, he's a good evaluator of talent. Let's see how his vision for the way this thing works instead of Mike Tannenbaum, who wants to spend, 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 spend works. Who was GM in 15? Uh, Dennis Hickey. Hmm. Oh, the that 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 explains the Jordan Phillips thing. Right. <laughs> so incomplete, but a lot of optimism here, Kyle. Got a good coach optimism. in place. Yep. Yeah, it's a good coach in place, tons of assets, tons of cap space. Let's see what you do. New England Patriots are next. Let's make this very simple, Joe. This is an elite organization Bad. top to bottom. Bad. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Elite. We get yeah. it. Next, the New York Jets, who I think are incomplete because we know Patriots fans aren't listening to draft podcasts, anyways. Right. Yeah, you know? no, so. they got bears. My, my, my uncle and his son, my cousin, are big Patriots fans. C- cannot explain why to you. And every year there, they send me a text message. Big, big football fans, big football fans. Every year they send me a text message. Tell me about Inkeel Harry. Who is this guy? Like what? What's it like to not care? You know. <laughs> Like, tell me about Isaiah Wynn. All right. Ne- never mind the fact that you work in the industry where it's like, <laughs> I could send you a dozen things that I've written over the course of the past two months about that guy. Never even heard of these guys. All right. Who, the Jets? The Jets are incomplete. They just fired Mike McCagnin six months ago after keeping Mike McCagnin and firing their head coach. And then bringing in so, a head coach nine months ago, and then three months later they fire McCagnin, and now Joe Douglas. Is there, is there. but is, but we, is there enough here? I'm going to make a case here. Is there enough in the time frame that we have had Joe Douglas with Adam Gase for us to say bad? Let's look at the, let's look at things. First of all, they're committed to Adam Gase. Adam Gase is going to be the coach of the Jets that, beyond this year. That's ownership. Un, un, front front office, right? I, all right, so th- that's a problem. Okay, if. If that's not what Joe Douglas wants as GM, I have a problem with that. All right. They signed Ryan Khalil. Got him out of retirement. He's been a disaster. 
injured. That was their plan. That was their big move to help their offensive line, in addition to Kalichi Assembly, who's had bad injury issues, but that's not obviously on Douglas. They openly tried to trade Jamal Adams, and that got out to the media and caused a ruckus. Here's here's how I could could spin it as bad, because if this is what Adam Gase does, right? Like he doesn't like loud personalities. So if you're going to bring in Adam Gase as your third option to be your head coach, and he's going to push back on players and make it known that he doesn't like him, he doesn't want him around, they disrupt the chemistry of his team, and you buy into it, knowing who Adam Gase is, you're an idiot. Do I blame Joe Douglas for picking up the phone and listening? No, I don't. Because that's part of the job. And Jamal Adams said that himself. But we got to keep a filter on this thing. We got loose lips in this building. It's probably fair to say incomplete. And we have a Bills fan and a Dolphins fan talking to you right now. So we should probably be aware I'm of our not, own p- potential bias. It's on incomplete, but I think it's closer to bad. Okay. All right. It's right. All right. I think that's fair. Okay. So the Jets are incomplete. We got three more. Oakland Raiders. Hey. Um, well, we got right. one year well, of uh, every, Mike Mayock. We we talked about this on uh, Takes on Takes yesterday, we too. We did. A good, good bit about their draft class. Um, okay, so they got a big black guy with the AB thing. Big, big black guy. Got to keep that in mind. But they have the most productive rookie class of any team in the NFL. And John, they, they, and they have John Gruden here who that hiring raised a lot of eyebrows, but he's getting really good football out of Derek Carr. And they play complimentary football because they like to run downhill at you and they know who they are as a team as far as their super blue collar and tough and physical. And I think there's still a balance to strike with that so that you get rid of some of the deficiencies on their roster. But as far as a year one, I'm comfortable slotting this as an average with arrow pointing up front office in the NFL, just based on the moves that they've made to stay true to the identity and fit the vision of what John Gruden's got. So there's a lot of good here. If I look over the last two years, I mean, I think this we can all say this has been a really good draft class in terms of rookie contributions. Uh, 2018, Colton Miller's really playing a lot better at left tackle. Uh, PJ Hall has been a good rotational player for them. Hurst. Um, Maurice Hurst. Yeah, Maurice Hurst is, is a big one there for me in the fifth round. I think that's a big-time pickup. In free agency, to go out and get uh, LaMarcus Joyner is a good pickup. To get um, Richie Incognito, to have the guts to pull the trigger there. Tyrell Williams has been a meaningful player. Um, Trent Brown, Darren Waller. There's a lot of good. What I'm trying to say here, we can, I can bitch about them having the worst linebacker core I've ever seen assembled and those types of things and don't quite understand the Gary and Conley move and I don't like the AB move. So that stuff's going to keep you out of like a higher tier, but this might be like good to average range. I'm comfortable with average with arrow pointing up because the five teams that we have right now are three elite front offices are Baltimore, Indianapolis, and New England. They're not in that class. And I don't think we're ready to put them in the same class as Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills. The Khalil Mack and Antonio Brown are two big of black guys for them to be in okay. good. There you go. Now they can get themselves out of it. They can get themselves out of it, but I, I, we cannot overlook that. I think it's the right spot. Okay. Good. So they're average. 
Yeah, average, average on the same tier say. with Cleveland, Jacksonville, and the Chargers. Yeah, it feels yes, right to it me. Does. Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, um, part of they've they've done a. I mean, this is a team that's built their line of scrimmage on both sides really, really well. Um, I really like. I mean, T.J. Watt's a friggin' superstar. They got him pick twenty, pick thirty. Juju in the second yeah. round. James Conner in the fourth. Uh, they just can't draft defensive backs draft. to save their life. Yeah, defensive imagine backs if they could draft problem. defensive backs. Hey, we got to factor in free agency to this. Like the biggest free agent acquisition they've ever had, like in recent years, has been Steven Nelson. But that's just not the way they do business. <laughs> I know, but you, you've done you've done little to supplement really good drafting for the most part. Well, do they get credit for the way that they handled the Antonio Brown situation? Yes. To get what they got. And Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell. I think that. And they've pieced together an elite offensive line with without really using premium investments. Right. Like Villanueva, where'd he come from? A UDFA, right? Or something like that from the 49ers? Yep. Ramon Foster is a great player. The the one high they investment they, didn't they had panic. was was Dave DeCastro. Chooks. Dave could catch. Well, Pouncey was a first round pick, right? At center. Oh, yeah. That's so they have two first round guys on the inside. Yeah. But I mean, to, the other three guys are not. I mean, Matt Filer at right tackle. They, I know that, um, you know, they didn't panic when Chris Hubbard was a free agent, right? Yep. Like, kudos to you there. I, Consistently draft good at wide receiver. It meant, like, Mike Tomlin's never had like a losing season, right? Is that true? Yeah. Think he's ever had one? Producer looking it up. up. Producer's checking this. Never had one, Kyle. He was. uh, I think they were eight, seven, and one. Was like his worst record. Imagine. Imagine what life must be like. He was eight and eight two years in a row. Yeah. So he's never had. He's never had a losing. season, Never had a losing season. Yeah. This. this, How many years? He's been here since two (laughs) thousand seven. It's a long time. Won a Super Bowl in his second season. Won Super Bowls in two out of three years, one with Cower, one with Tomlin, and then they went fifteen and one and didn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. This is an elite organization. I think we got to put him in there. I All agree. Right. Which I leaves agree. the Tennessee Titans as our last team. Right when you were worried about this going an hour for doing the whole league. Well, I don't even know we're, where we're at. Jesus, well, forty-seven minutes. We're about already. fifty okay. minutes total. Yeah, yeah. Well, yep. Might as well All take right. our well, time now. All right. We're here. <laughs> yeah, we're having a good time here. <laughs> uh, damn it. All right. Tennessee Titans. Here we go. Um, Team is just, so I, just uh, the average. picture of mediocrity. You know what right. the Never, is? The I last mean, three no years? 500, I'm sure. They're 9 and 7, 9 and 7, and 9 and 7. Yeah. And, and I mean, when's the last time they had like a, a true answer at quarterback or co- uh, head coach? We were just like, you know what? They just got it rolling right now. These, this, the right coach and quarterback for this team. Uh, Steve McNair and Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher and Steve McNair. Yeah. It's been a while. 
been a while. And McNair was done. Oh, five. Went four and 12 that year. And then they did the Vince Young thing with Jeff. And then Fisher was there about five more years. And I just think they're, their coaching hires have not been. I like Vrabel. Don't get me wrong. Bad game manager, dude. But I think if you look at Mike Malarkey, Ken Wisenhunt, Mike Munchak, Mike Vrabel, does the does the needle move for you with any one of those players? Never. Man, Ken Wisenhunt was really in over his head, huh? They've. I mean. There's things I like about what they've done. Like they've not, they've added good players. They've built winning rosters. Just never anything that's going to put you over the edge in recent years or, you know, the last five years or seven years or something like that. You know who this team reminds me of on the NFC side? Reminds me a little bit of Tampa Bay. Where Tampa Bay's done some really nice things. They've added some really nice pieces from a personnel standpoint. But they didn't get the quarterback thing right. I think Tampa has made their best hire in a long time with Bruce Arians. But Bruce Arians isn't a long-term answer for you because he's one of the oldest coaches in the league. So I think that look at the same kind of limitations that you get with with Tennessee and not getting the the quarterback position right and and maybe they figured something out Ryan Tannehill I doubt it will stick long term but I mean John Robinson's been here since 2016 so if we put it in that kind of box they gave Mariota a couple years they decided to transition and move on I'd probably say this overall is just an average organization, top to bottom. Feels right. Get get the difference maker right. Get get the quarterback thing right, and I think this is a team that can rise and be really good. I think they're all they're never like terrible. So average. Okay, just so that average. that gives us for the AFC side of things. We have four elite teams: the Baltimore Ravens, Indianapolis Colts. New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers. We have two good teams from a front office perspective, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. We have five average teams, the Cleveland Browns, Jacksonville Jaguars, LA Chargers, Oakland Raiders, and Tennessee Titans. We have two bad front offices, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Denver Broncos. And we have three incompletes, the Houston Texans who do not have a general manager, the Miami Dolphins who just drastically changed their philosophies as far as team construction are in the midst of a big rebuild and the New York Jets who tired Joe Douglas. Pretty sure it was May or June when they made that decision to hire him. Yeah. Yep. There you go. NFC next, next Wednesday. Wednesday. Come back. Check it out. Thanks for your time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the draft News podcast. Tomorrow is bets against the spread. Come back. Let's make some money.